Hello, friends, and welcome again to another episode of the Potluck Podcast. I'm Jared Cornut, usually joined by my two co-hosts, but just one, Matt Hensley, today. Alan Murray's out doing ministry, doing a hospital visit, which we know he has not been able to do in over a year, and so we're very excited for him doing that, though we will miss him. Though I am looking at Matt's majestic red beard with touches of gray in it as well, and uh, it's not quite a replacement for Alan, but he has gray in his hair, and so it kind of... It matches out. Matt, how are you doing? I think uh, some exciting news uh, coming out of, out of New Mexico. You want to talk to us about that? Yeah, dude, this has been a wild 24 hours as this goes live on Tuesday. Uh, the announcement went out that Josh Revis is going to nominate me, Lord willing, at the Nashville uh, Pastors Conference for the 2022 Pastors Conference that will be held in Anaheim. Of course, last year, Bart was going to. and COVID came and derailed that just a little bit. Now we're going to have a SEND conference there in Nashville. But next year, Lord willing, it'll get back to uh, normal. And we'll see what happens regarding uh, if there's anybody else that'll come out who will be vice president announced or treasurer, all of that kind of stuff will be up for a vote in Nashville. Uh, But that also means that my phone is pretty much on its last legs because notifications coming in, all of that kind of stuff. Grateful for the excitement. Uh, behind it. Uh, but it also means that, uh, you know, you get a few notifications here and there, but uh, grateful for uh, Josh Revis believing in me and his desire and, and request to uh, nominate me for that. And it's certainly an honor. And uh, I'm sure we'll get to talk about that in the next couple of weeks uh, when we can, you know, kind of share the vision that uh, we would put together and so forth. But yes, I also want to point out that if it sounds like my house is about to fall down. It is because it very well might. We got some wind that is coming through today, maybe a cold front coming through. And uh, I'm outside in my little greenhouse, and which is where I do a lot of my work. And the paneling on the roof likes to flap in the air. So if you hear a lot of loud noises, that would be what is happening. But if I disappear, Jared Cornut will be able to carry on if I get sucked out by some kind of a wind-created vortex up here. So perks of the mountain life, man. But have you thought out? There in uh, Irving? Yeah, we're, we're thawed out. It was 80 degrees this week, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it was like uh, 76, 80, 76. And we're getting back down to like the 50s next week, but things are a whole lot better. Uh, helping some folks in our community out uh, best that we can at the church, and uh, things are, are good there. But i got to ask you, as a member of the Southern Baptist Media, as a co-host of the unofficial official Southern Baptist podcast, uh, people are texting me wanting you to go on the record right now is Mickey Mouse coming to the Pastors Conference in Anaheim for Disneyland if you are elected? Are oh, you willing to go on the record right now? Oh, absolutely. All right, there we absolutely. go. Absolutely. And it may not be like Mickey Mouse. It might be Matty Mouse because uh, <laughs> I do have, as a lot of people know, I've got like some Christmas suits. I got the orange suit uh, that I've I've worn a few times. I also had a Mickey Mouse suit uh, that I found on Amazon. One of those little, you know, crazy suit companies had a little get up and I was going to do some kind of a you know, announcement or whatever for last year's Pastors of Conference. And that obviously didn't happen. So assuming COVID-19 hasn't added about 40 pounds to me, I should be able <laughs> to still wear it. So yes, in some shape or form, Mickey will be there 
if it's not Mickey, it'll be his distant cousin, uh, Matty Hensley. So that right there alone, folks, is reason enough to vote <laughs> uh, for the Masters Conference. Well, hey, look, Matt, we're excited for you and uh, excited to see what comes of that. And uh, we'll be praying for you uh, when all that comes up. But we got a lot of a lot of other Mavis news to talk about. The SBC Executive Committee had their meetings uh, recently, and uh, JD Greer, who uh, was serving as a third term as president due to the COVID-19 pandemic and the inability to meet at the 2020 annual meeting and uh, vote for a new president. They served an unprecedented uh, third term, and he gave an address, as the president always does, and he talked about the demonic sources of division in the Southern Baptist uh, Convention that is thwarting cooperative mission and getting the gospel to the nations. And I thought it was kind of interesting. He said that COVID-19 didn't cause the disunity. It really uh, uncovered it. Uh, and it pointing back to the uh, SBC's rejection uh, of liberals to the conservative resurgent, Greer called on Southern Baptists to reject uh, Pharisees today by refusing to be swayed by vocal minorities choosing uh, to major on secondary issues. I've always been told major on the majors, not the minors. Uh, what's new about uh, JD's address there to the convention? Well, I uh, I thought it was received how I thought it would be received. Um, I, I thought uh, as you know, of course, the response uh, was very strong from certain camps, uh, but uh, but I also saw a lot of people that I would almost call them kind of fringe, not not fringe in the sense of not really in the SBC, but but kind of not in either really uh, in a tribe, so to speak, that that saw or read or watched and were super encouraged by it, and uh, and so saw a great response on that side. Uh, of course, people that are Greer fans were going to love it. Uh, people that are not fans of Greer were not really going to love it. <laughs> but those people in, in between, I was really surprised to see how they really resonated with that call for unity during this times. Because I, I like what he was pointing out, that a lot of this division that we have is really based on misunderstanding or distortion. Um, and of course, there are, as we know, certain websites uh, that are out there outright lies. And uh, that has grieved uh, J.D. Greer, and I think it really came out a very heartfelt, meaningful message that, uh, you know, I, I know the term is kind of overused, but since you said unprecedented, I'll use it. Uh, it was a prophetic word and uh, grateful for for what he said. And uh, but it also gave, I believe, Dr. Floyd a chance to kind of bring everybody to the table and say, you know, we need to unite around the gospel. Mm. So Greer often talks about the gospel above all. And, uh, and I believe, really, Floyd was able to pick that up and carry it on uh, with that reintroduction of Vision 2025. And so I was, I was encouraged by what I saw from both of them and uh, not encouraged by everything I saw through the EC meeting, uh, but I was encouraged by uh, Greer and Floyd kind of bringing us back to, to that gospel call that we have after all Southern Baptists are here for the propagation of the gospel. And so that's why we exist. And so, you know, our, our, two biggest entities are mission boards, you know, one for here yeah. in North America, one for around the globe with the international mission board. And so that's why we're here to plant churches, to, you know, send missionaries to evangelize all of that. And so bringing that back home uh, to reorient Southern Baptists around that vision, I thought was, uh, was very timely and important for us. And so what are some of your thoughts on, on vision 20, 25. I know it kind of, we launched it. There was a lot of excitement behind it last year and then COVID came. Yeah, and, I mean, uh, COVID kind of derailed some of this kind of stuff or, or at least there were other things that we needed to focus on 
but as we kind of reorient around those 2025 or that vision 2025, what are your thoughts there? Yeah, I mean, obviously some lofty goals, but some of those are, are very attainable. You know, one of the first things that uh, Ronnie Floyd throws out is that we need to increase our full-time, fully funded IMB missionaries by a net gain of 500, bringing that to 4,200 total. And we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit at the end of the episode. That's going to come to another topic. Um, but right there on the focus right there uh, as on four missions. And the second vision is right there on the at-home missions, adding 5,000 Southern Baptist congregations through church plants, replants, you know, if those new campuses in there, that's kind of, there's some ambiguity. What does that mean? Uh, but we won't have to dive into that. Uh, but he wants to see the convention to come up to over 50,000 unified churches focused on sending missionaries, planning churches. Uh, and I think that, that's, that's a great thing. Number three is uh, increase the total number of church ministry staff and volunteers to new training emphasis. Obviously, at my previous church, we started to focus on, my pastor talked about when he was growing up, his pastor, Frank Cox, who's a trustee at New Orleans Seminary, helped bring Jamie Dew. Uh, he was the uh, chairman of the personnel committee there. Would every Sunday pray for men to be called to the ministry. And they would ask for, if you feel like you're being called to ministry, come down forward today. We're going to train you and send you out. And I think that's a, a noteworthy thing. Obviously, we've seen alarming rates of uh, MDivs drop in our seminaries, people being called to pastoral ministry. A lot of people are going to seminary, but they're studying counseling or missions. And we, we need people to do those things. But if we're going to have 50,000 churches, that means we need 50,000 pastors. And then a lot of these churches have what we would call half pastors or youth pastors, or they have associate pastors, music ministers. So we need people being called to ministry. Uh, fourth, we need to reserve, uh, reverse the ongoing decline and reaching, baptizing, discipling 12 to 17-year-olds. It's not a secret. I believe from um, 12 to 18 years old, Southern Baptist, the average Southern Baptist church baptizes zero to one of those in that age demographic every year. And so we need to figure out what we're doing wrong there and reverse that trend. Obviously, uh, praying and pleading on to God to help us there would be a, a great start. And to increase our annual giving to the cooperative program to surpass $500 million by 2025. Um, I know a lot of churches like mine uh, saw an increased giving to the corporate program last year because we had an increase in giving due to COVID-19. But for other churches, that didn't happen. Uh, giving went down because of COVID-19 pandemic. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what we can do over the next four years to kind of reverse that and go through. These are lofty goals. These are good goals. Uh, but it's going to be like what J.D. said. we got to be unified to do this. I, was, I found it quite ironic that J.D. preaches this uh, what I felt was a unifying message, and then you have a network uh, of guys come out and say, "I can't wait for a new SBC president." This was divisive, and this, you know, this was this didn't provide any unity. And until we really get to the root of the issues, which you talked about, misunderstanding, talking past one another, um, Vision Twenty Twenty Five may be difficult to attain because people may not be willing to give. We've seen that. We what are the RLC task force that's happening uh, uh, with that? You know, it's gonna be hard with all the shots being taken at NAM right now for churches to say, we're going to support the church planning. Uh, it seems like the only thing we can get behind is IMB right now. And, and I would say, you know, lo looking at it in terms of our own churches, you know, the things that maybe you want to do at Plymouth Park or I want to do at Mayhill Baptist Church, how easy would that be to be done if everybody is fighting with one another? If, if the, you know, the, the business meetings are just knockout, drag out fights. And I think we've all been in churches maybe where you saw the business meeting on the calendar and you're like, oh gosh, here we go again. And, you know, at times 
I, I can almost feel like, you know, with EC meetings or annual meetings that I don't want to get to that point. I, I want to look forward to those as an opportunity where they are kind of like a family reunion at Mayhill. We're so fortunate, you know, on, on the one hand, when I saw that we were having monthly business meetings here, I was like, because I came from those churches where the, that wasn't a good thing. And I saw that and I was like, oh no. And, but they are the most unified worship filled times that we have. And, and there's, there are, there are months where I enjoy that more than the regular worship gathering, uh, because we're fellowshipping with one another. We're celebrating what God is doing. And so we're doing a lot more as Mayhill Baptist Church, not because we have this great pastor, just like the SBC is not going to do more because we have a great SBC president or CEO or entity head or whatever. It's going to be doing more when the churches are reflecting that same kind of unity together and a cooperation together. Because I can go to war with somebody in a good way. I can go to war with somebody like Dr. Queen uh, that I disagree with on certain the, the, theological things, but we're united, we love one another, and we want to see people saved. And, yeah. and I think if more churches can buy into that and see that, hey, if, if this wouldn't work in our own church, why would I want to be throwing rocks on, on the national stage? Uh, and you so know, when I look at something on, you, you mentioned the, the, the congregations, 5,000 more, I like that he threw in replants because it's it's one thing to plant and plant and plant. We must plant churches. It's absolutely necessary, but we can't keep up with the churches that are dying and closing their doors. And yep. so we have to also be looking at the replanting and re revitalization. I think every church needs revitalization, but certainly on the replant side, desperately need that. Nam's doing a lot of great work there, but you were you were going to pipe in on something. Yeah, no, I just I love what you said. The business meetings, you know, ours are quarterly, which I, I I enjoy. But there are a time of celebration. This is how much we've given to the cooperative program. Uh, we we give to Lottie Moon and Annie Armstrong all year, and so this is how much we've given this quarter to these um, Annie Armstrong and Lottie Moon. And they're not divisive in any sense. It's it's a time to come and celebrate what the church has done, and maybe vote on some new business and celebrate new members coming. Uh, we have a time where we remember those who passed away that were racing off our membership, but we remind them that they're not a race out of God's book. They're, they're, they're in heaven now. So praise God for that. And, you know, a lot of times people talk about, man, I love the IMB sending service at the, at the annual meeting. I love the worship. Well, that's what it's supposed to be about. So let's like JD says, let's stop getting hung up on the minor things and let's focus on these major things that we're doing really, really well. And by God's grace, let's pray that he helps us to keep doing those things well. Yeah. And, you know, I think we can have a successful annual meeting year in and year out. Yeah, there's going to be things we agree on and disagree on, but we can agree to disagree in love. And I think that's where we're missing it right now. Yeah. And uh, you mentioned the calling out the called. Uh, I, I would love to devote a uh, episode on this in the future, maybe bringing on, you know, Chitwood or mm -hmm. uh, another missionary that can talk about that. Because I think a lot of times we forget that there's probably in our church right now, a missionary, a pastor, a children's minister, a Sunday school director, whatever, simply because we're not putting that call out there. And uh, and so he makes a big deal about that calling out the called. And I think it'd be great yeah. to devote some time on that. I also wanted to just point out a friend of mine, uh, Tim McKnight, has a new book talking about reversing the ongoing decline and reaching, baptizing and discipling 12 uh, to 17 year olds, lifelong Youth ministry expert uh, has a new book out, Engaging Generation Z, Raising the Bar for Youth Ministry. And a great read. I enjoyed it. 
uh, passed it on to our youth leaders. And, uh, and it's something that I would recommend as well. And then increasing giving uh, through the cooperative program, uh, that would be vision 2025, also 2030 and 2035 and 24. I mean, that's always going to be a need Forever. because the more churches we're planting and the more missionaries we're sending out, you know, money doesn't just kind of appear on trees. So, you know, we, we need to raise that, that base and that fund. And speaking of uh, the International Mission Board, uh, has been talking about basically this great reset and not uh, the QAnon reset, uh, oh. a great reset for, for what they've been doing and have a great pipeline that they are trying to develop and, and assess and train and deploy uh, these young men and women, as we talked about calling out the call, just sending them all over uh, the globe. And, uh, and so we can do this, of course, if we're cooperating together in funding these guys and in calling out the call. So a lot of these really are interconnected in my opinion. And uh, he wants to see 500 missionaries by the end of 2025. Uh, if we pray, if we work, if we go, if we call out the call, if we send, if we give, if we cooperate together, this is going to happen. If any of those things don't occur, it's not. And, uh, and so Chitwood joined uh, Floyd in that call. And uh, he reminded us that every single day, 154,937 people die lost every single day. And, uh, and that's, that's obviously heartbreaking and, uh, and something they want to reverse. What are your thoughts on kind of their new leadership or missionary pipeline? Yeah, you know, first, I think some credit's got to be given David Platt. He was not perfect as an IMB, as the president of IMB, but when he got there, they, they were facing a deficit of, you know, over $210 million. And he had to make some really tough decisions, and he got he got called out because they, they did some early retirement and things like that. And I think he was probably the guy for that time to make that decision. And Paul Chitwood is the guy right now making these decisions. And I know that uh, they announced that despite the COVID-19 pandemic, uh, the IMB appointed 422 new missionaries uh, because of the Southern Baptist generosity through uh, – Lottie Moon and just giving to the cooperative program and the money they get with that. And so, you know, I think this pipeline, I think it's a, it's a great thing. We need to be uh, sending missionaries every, I'd love to see that every year, 422 missionaries every year being added to the mission field because we've got people um, dying in hard places that need the gospel. Yeah. And uh, we can't get there unless we send people to them. We, we know Romans 10, how can they hear unless someone preaches to them? They don't get saved through hearing our worship song or, or things like that. They're, they're saved by the preaching of God's word. And that means we got to send missionaries to the ends of the earth. That means we got to call them out. That means we got to fund them. And so I would encourage our churches to be incredibly generous in our cooperative program, money giving. But more, the majority of that that goes to the national convention goes to the IMB. And of course, churches sacrificially give. Lottie Moon uh, is what I would encourage you to do. Give as you can to the Lottie Moon offering. Find ways, be creative about that. How to do it. You know, uh, Lottie Moon giving uh, is, I think last year was the uh, 2019 ended up being the second highest year ever. We won't know what the 2020 total is until uh, September when the year ends. Uh, but I'm, I'm hopeful that it might be one of the highest giving years ever for that. Um, so, you know, I, I think the people. And, and we know this, if you know somebody, uh, generally you're going to give. And, uh, and, and so do not hesitate, you know, whether it's Annie Armstrong, obviously we're talking about IMB. Annie Armstrong is for the North American Mission Board. We're coming forward or coming close to Easter. And so there'll be the Easter offering. 
but use those videos. Um, you know, it's a great introduction to really putting a, a face to the name. And, you know, we've got some people that you can just say, hey, we're having the uh, Annie Armstrong Easter offering and they're just going to give a thousand dollars and not really think about it. Uh, but there might be that that person that may be on the fence, but they see what they're doing. They see the mission. They see what is happening literally on the ground. And they're always well done. Like, I really enjoy the videos. And usually, you know, we'll watch them. We'll put them on our Facebook feed. But I love watching our people see it in the service because I've usually mm -hmm. already seen the video. So I'm kind of looking out. And you really are watching their eyes just really open to what that need is. And because we can say, you know, every day uh, that we're alive, that 154 uh, you know, thousand people are are dying every year. Uh, but you really show these people that are going out to reverse that and and they can really get behind it and give. So whether it's Annie Armstrong for NAM or Lottie Moon for IMB, show those videos, put it in front of your people because they will get uh, behind it. Yeah, that's some good news and a great challenge that's coming out of the EC. There is also some, I, I don't want to really call it bad news, but we can call it heavy news. Uh, as there were some churches that were disfellowshipped uh, in the meeting. And so two of them were disfellowshipped for affirming homosexuality. Uh, that was Townview Baptist in Kennesaw, Georgia, and St. Matthew's Baptist in Louisville. Uh, and then there were also two uh, that were disfellowshipped for harboring uh, convicted sex offenders. And, uh, and that was, I'm looking at it now, Antioch Baptist in uh, I'm not going to know how to pronounce that in Tennessee, Severville, Tennessee, uh, Severville. and then Westside Baptist in Sharpville. Uh, they were disfellowshipped for employing their pastor as a registered sex offender. Now, on the one hand, this is good um, because it's showing that that process is working, whether it's sex abuse or if there's heresy being taught or whatever, that, that there is a process by which these can be disfellowshipped. Of course, it's not something we want to celebrate because these are four churches that they're dangerous, uh, either with theology or with sex abuse. Really, both of those are going to boil down to theology mm -hmm. still. Uh, but what are your thoughts there? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's not, like you said, it's not good news, but it's appropriate news. Uh, we don't need to be partnering with churches who egregiously go against the Baptist Faith message by affirming homosexuality. I mean, listen to this uh, that this church said, we see them as all of us, as children created in the image of God, and anyone can profess Jesus as Lord uh, and should be welcomed to our church. We need to get ready to profess Jesus as Lord, but part of that profession is submitting to Jesus as King and laying down our sin and following after Him. Uh, that was what uh, Townview Church said. And, um, you know, I, I don't love it. I don't like this fellowship from churches because that's less money going to the cooperative program and supporting missions, but it's appropriate because these churches are not aligned with us. And then when it comes to these churches employing, knowingly employing sex abusers, it's not like it slipped through the cracks. They, you know, every, every church should do a background check on everybody who even volunteers church, but somehow this got missed. No, they, they knew this and they employed these guys. Um, think about how traumatic that is because there are probably young women, perhaps even men in your church who are, victims of abuse yeah. and for your for them to find out that your pastor is an abuser i don't care how long ago that went it's just not a, it's not an appropriate uh that, that man is disqualified from ministry at that point and yeah, so it's a struggle the the chairman put it right you know in saying we take no pleasure in recommending that a church is not in friendly cooperation with the convention uh instead we're grieved uh but it's also necessary he said it was the right decision to recommend 
and we'll continue to pray for all involved. Obviously, it would be great for these four churches to repent and uh, come back in proper fellowship with the uh, yeah. convention. But I think that also, as we talked about with the SBC annual meetings and, and some of the division and so forth, that also has a great reminder for our churches. There, there are times where church discipline comes into play or somebody needs to be removed and, and that kind of deal that, you know, we might worry about it. Maybe this person was a $5,000 a month giver at the church and, and it would be tempting maybe to say, no, we we just need to, you know, ignore whatever it might be. But I've always seen, though, and every time it's happened in that church or in a church, when that person is removed from that role or whatever, um, and, and done the right way, obviously, I've also seen God bless in numerous ways where the giving either remained or even got stronger, re really in kind of a pruning sense. And uh, so grateful for, for that, grateful that they're doing it and seem to be doing it the right way. There obviously is more work to be done. Uh, and so we should be praying for that credentials committee uh, that I believe was that formed, uh, was it 2019 that that was, that was formed or 2018? It would have been, I would, it was before the Birmingham annual meeting. Uh, so I think, it was it was I think it was coming out of the 2018 annual meeting. Yeah, gotcha. And uh, so we also like to talk about some uh, Southern topics and one Southern topic that a lot of our brothers across the SBC don't get to experience is the goodness of Whataburger. And there is some good news that's also got a little flavor of bad news. The good news is that Whataburger is coming to Nashville. That's well, the great. Bad news. Jerusalem. Yes. The bad news is it won't be there in time for the SBC annual meeting. <laughs> so, Does that mean that you're going to drive, fly to Dallas instead of uh, whatever Albuquerque, so you can get Whataburger on the way to the annual meeting? Yeah, is it, is it Love Field that has the uh, Whataburger in it, or DFW? One of them has. I know, it. I know Love Field. I think they both okay. do. So I'll make sure that I can stop there. I'll get it, and then I'll take it with me on the plane, and then eat it once we <laughs> land in Nashville, just so I can say that I had a Whataburger in Nashville. It'll probably be cold and nasty, but. Anyway, what uh, what do you what do you when you get to Whataburger? What are you getting? Do you get the same thing every time, or do you mix it up? I I pretty much get the same thing every time. I'll I'll get a double with Monterey Jack cheese and bacon. Okay. Uh, sometimes I will add uh, green chilies, uh, especially if I'm in uh, Las Cruces or uh, the uh, Roswell location or Albuquerque. Uh, they tend to be a little fresher there, the green chilies. Mm. Uh, but I'll throw some of that on it, and uh, I usually ask them to throw spicy ketchup on it. Some of them will, some of them won't. And because I, I don't think they really have that like in a tub, like the regular ketchup. So they might have to be opening this thing up. But if you're nice to them, it's it's great because it kind of warms it up nice and just kind of, you know, blends all those flavors together. But yeah, I like the double with Monterey Jack and some spicy ketchup and of course some some French fries. And Dr. Pepper, of course, I'm assuming. Of course, Dr. Pepper. I have not, though, tried the Dr. Pepper shake that they have. I was unimpressed with it. Um, yeah. If I go to, I'm getting one of two things. Either I'm getting a double bacon, uh, the mustard slatted on there, really good fries and the Dr. Pepper. Or um, if I'm feeling a little unhealthy and uh, extra, wanting a little extra deliciousness, the patty melt. Uh, I so absolutely love the patty melt. My, I, I attempted a hundred miler uh, or hundred mile ultra, ultra marathon once uh, that was in Dallas. 
and uh, we got a freak storm that came through and made it. Some people finished, but a lot of people got hurt. We had a lot of broken arm, or legs and actually an arm uh, just from a fall, that kind of deal. I quit. I was like, man, I love running. I want to run for the rest of my life. So I'm going to go ahead and call this quit quits. And so I stopped and they called my my wife in the aid station and she came to pick me up and she said, do you need anything? And I said, I desperately need a triple uh, Whataburger with Monterey Jack cheese. And so, I mean, you got that patty, another Monterey slice of cheese, oh a patty, a Monterey slice of cheese, a patty, a Monterey slice of cheese, some bacon, some spicy ketchup. And I was in heaven. And, uh, you know, it, it was kind of my treat for having run about 65 miles at that point. And, uh, but, uh, but yeah, that, that's my favorite treat if I really want to be unhealthy. Uh, but yeah, uh, happy for the Nashville folks that are going to get a Whataburger. They, I'm uh, surprised that, I mean, Tuscaloosa, where I went to college, we had, we had three Whataburgers. So I'm really surprised. And actually the town that I lived in before, uh, we moved here, Alabaster, a little south, south of Birmingham has a Whataburger as well. So I'm, I'm actually quite surprised Nashville is so late on the scene. You, you've you got the the one in Alabama that has the uh, Roll Tide logo on it, right? Yeah, that's the ones in Tuscaloosa. Yeah. Okay, yeah. 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 This right. is in the college town. So uh, they've, they've embraced that. Which they have Bucky's now in, in Alabama as well. They have two Bucky's and Leeds and Mobile. And actually, my family's one of the Bucky's tonight. Uh, we said tonight's Bucky's night, so we're packing up and – Going to get some brisket sandwiches and some Dr. Pepper uh, slushies and uh, going to have a good night. Awesome, man. Well, a lot of stuff has happened in the SBC this week. And, uh, of course, we recommend uh, what what's the daily briefing that, that Hal sends out? What What's the little deal that it's like the five, four or five links that come out? Morning briefing or I don't know what it is. <laughs> I, don't I don't know what it's called, but I get it every morning. I get and, it too. Uh, it's great because a lot, you know, it obviously has some news in it. But it also has some great things to celebrate, too. You know, churches that are doing great, great work on the ground. And, and it's great because you can kind of find out what God is doing in the middle of nowhere places, too. Uh, and so certainly recommend that. We can put that in the show notes. But why don't you send us out? Yep. Thanks again. Uh, friends, for the potluck. We had your feel, had your full look uh, to see that announcement about Matt's nomination for Pastors Conference president. And uh, stay up to, do, uh, up to date with the uh, convention. And don't do anything that would keep you kicked out of the potluck. <laughs> yeah. Same Baptist time, same Baptist hour. Stay Baptist, my friends. <laughs> <laughs>